0: Forgiving others as God has forgiven us
1: next. Forgiveness brings freedom to all involved if they will accept it. Remember, we forgive because God forgives us in Christ. That same forgiveness, undeserved and unearned, is what we owe to others and functions to relieve the oppressive burden of what we know as guilt. And if Jesus had not extended kindness and forgiveness to sinners, we would forever exist in the stranglehold of guilt.
0: This is amazing grace. Yeah. We'll When someone hurts us deeply, it would be easy for us to turn against them, never to speak to them again, and even harbor bitterness in our hearts. But today on Abounding Grace, we'll learn a much better response, and that is to forgive. We see this played out before our eyes in 2 Samuel 19, as David forgives Shimei. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor speaking on the power of forgiveness. There is no justifiable reason in our lives to not forgive
1: as Christ has forgiven us. Early on in the discipleship of his followers, Jesus teaches us that early on in Matthew chapter 6, jot it down in verse 14. He says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's pretty heavy. You don't forgive, you're not going to experience forgiveness. But when you forgive floodgates of love if you're taking notes let me give you a few things to consider when it comes to forgiveness because that's what David does with Shimei here actually by the time we end we're going to see all these decisions that David makes in the agape love of God surrounding forgiveness but consider these things number one forgiveness is commanded by God and obedience is not optional in our lives when it comes to forgiveness, remember this. Forgiveness is commanded by God and obedience in our lives is not optional. Deciding when we will and when we will not obey is an unfruitful thing. Extending a hardened heart of disobedience in our lives is always dangerous. And when it comes to forgiveness, that's kind of what we do. Well, I'll forgive when I'm ready, or I'll forgive when I want to, or I don't want to forgive at all. All you're doing is hardening your heart and causing the separation to be larger. This is what the Bible says in Luke chapter 6, verse 35. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them. Don't be concerned with they, that they might not repay you. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you'll be truly acting as children of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and to those who are wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Mark chapter 11, verse 25. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Forgiveness is commanded by God and obedience is not optional. Number two, forgiveness, when you and I forgive, it reflects the image of Jesus Christ in our lives. When we forgive, we reflect the image of Jesus in our lives. We walk in the same steps of our Savior. Jesus demonstrated forgiveness at great personal sacrifice. In Luke chapter 23, verse 32, it says, Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. And finally, they came to a place called the Skull, or you might know that as Golgotha. I'm reading from the New Living Translation on these because I really liked how they put them. But the place of the skull is known as Golgotha. All three were crucified there. Jesus on the sinner cross and the two other criminals on either side. Jesus said, Father, forgive these people because they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. When you forgive, when I forgive, I reflect the image of Jesus Christ in a world that desperately needs it. Or even to a person, just one person that desperately needs it. Thirdly, Forgiveness breaks down strongholds in our lives. Have you ever considered that there are strongholds in your lives of bitterness, of anger, of frustration that's directly related to your unforgiveness? It's not their fault. It's not what they did. It's not what happened years ago. It's because of your unforgiveness and your unwillingness to obey God. Because you see, forgiveness is not an emotion. Often we'll refer to forgiveness, and when it comes to us, we'll say something like, I don't feel like forgiving. Well, you know what? I believe you when you say that. There are times when I don't feel like forgiving either. When I've been so greatly hurt, or so greatly damaged, or so greatly betrayed, hey man, I'm with you. Don't look down on yourself when you go, I don't feel like forgiving. That just means you're a human being. Of course, I don't feel like forgiving, but let me tell you something forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is an act of obedience. So you and I can forgive someone even when we don't want to. Or even when we don't feel like it. Because what happens is, well, I don't, I don't forgive because so I don't feel like it. So, apart from your feelings, you and I need to decide in the power of the Spirit to forgive. It breaks down strongly. When you and I forgive, we experience healing to our hurting hearts. And forgiveness is one major antidote. And I would even say, I would dare say this it is the one major antidote to bitterness. It's very difficult to be bitter towards someone when you have released them from their debt to you. That's what forgiveness means. Simple definition is to release someone from their debt. And some of you are waiting to forgive. Some of you are waiting to forgive because you're thinking in your mind, you know, they don't deserve it. Well, That's a great observation. Let's look at it in your life. Just your relationship with Jesus Christ. When he forgave you of all of your sins and the blood of Jesus Christ covered your sins, did you deserve it? Yes or no? Speak back to me. And even you guys listening on the CD right now, just yell at your radio because by now the Holy Spirit's working in your heart. So just yell it out. No. No, of course not. I didn't deserve it. Forgiveness was what? An act of grace on God's part. He gave me something that I didn't deserve. So any time you forgive someone, you are forgiving the undeserving. If you wait for someone to earn your forgiveness or deserve it, you'll never forgive them because they can't undo the pain. Now, we don't have time to develop it here, but before you leave, if you need these packets, we have these packets on forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness is an act of a will. It's, it's, it's an act on our part to release someone from their debt. Reconciliation requires another step on the part of the other person, and that's repentance. Because some of you are waiting to forgive someone because you say, well, I know the Bible says if they repent, then I'll forgive them. Now, if they repent and you forgive them, that's a, that, you're on the fast track to reconciling your relationship. But if they don't repent, that's no excuse not to forgive. Because if forgiveness is an act of of obedience, then all you need to do is obey that, and you're going to have to wait. You know, it's going to be hard to reconcile with somebody that doesn't admit they did anything, that doesn't think they did anything. You're like, but you did. Like, I'm crushed, man. You did. And, you know, you can't argue. It's not going to happen. If you wait for that to happen, you'll never forgive anyone. And, and this, this pamphlet, we got a few up here or we're going to post it, you know, we're going to send out a link where you can download the PDF. If you need to really work through these things, uh, come up after the service and we have extras printed out today. Uh, we, don't have, we don't have one for everyone, but if you don't end up getting one, you can check our Facebook and such. And I know Josh is going to be putting out a link and, and there might, there's probably up on our website already. So forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. Forgiveness is a major antidote to bitterness. Obedience to forgive brings freedom in my life and enables us to start over in a relationship by the grace and the mercy of God. doesn't guarantee it, but it enables it. It opens the door. Obviously, if there's unforgiveness, you're never going to come together. But when you forgive, it opens the door and enables the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to bring reconciliation. Number four, Forgiveness loosens the stranglehold of guilt in the offender. When you forgive someone and you verbalize that, no longer will the person have to rehearse their sin and carry it as an unforgiven by the person any longer. It's one less thing they have to worry about. When you extend forgiveness to the offender and you have the opportunity to express that and they see that, you actually are doing something on behalf of God of releasing them for the added burden of the fact that you refuse to forgive them. I mean, that's a pretty cool thing. You're not only reflecting the image of Jesus Christ, but you're aiding and assisting the work of the Holy Spirit in someone's life. No longer will that person have to rehearse their own sin, but they're released by love and kindness. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, it says, So God can always point to us as examples of his incredible wealth, of his favor and kindness toward us, as shown in all that he's done for us through Christ Jesus. What Paul's telling the church is, of all that God has done for you, you become a display of his love and kindness as he releases us from the guilt and shame of our past. Forgiveness brings freedom to all involved if they will accept it. Remember, we forgive because God forgives us in Christ. That same forgiveness, undeserved and unearned, is what we owe to others and functions to relieve the oppressive burden of what we know as guilt. And if Jesus had not extended kindness and forgiveness to sinners, we would forever exist in the stranglehold of guilt. Now, the time frame of this is very interesting because, you know, this isn't a long time. I don't know exactly how long, but it's not like years of this rebellion. It's more like months, maybe even weeks. And I think that of the rocks that were thrown, that a couple of them landed. And if a couple of them landed, you know, they're not throwing little pebbles. Like he's trying to do great damage to David. And let's just say in our, in our spiritual imaginations that the, the scars of Shimei's rocks exist on David right now as he comes back. That David could easily say, You don't remember this? Abishai, take him out, man. I don't believe him. There's a very good chance that David is physically wounded by that episode, but I can guarantee you he's spiritually wounded. That he's still dealing with all this. That he didn't ask for Absalom to do this. He didn't ask for Shimei to do this. He didn't ask for Ahithophel to do this. Sure, he made a few mistakes along the way, But because he made mistakes, instead of experiencing love from those that were close to him, he experienced rebellion and betrayal, and they took advantage of his weakness. And if there was ever a time for him to get back, it would have been here. And just in case as you're reading through the Bible and you ask the question, why in the world did David forgive Shimei? It's because God forgave David. Notice verse 24. Now Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king, and he had not cared for his feet nor trimmed his mustache nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he came back in peace. If you like to write in your Bibles next to verse 24, you could write, he stinketh. (laughs) He didn't take care of himself. And for you Bible students, that should really open your eyes a little bit about Mephibosheth because the last thing David heard about Mephibosheth is that he also turned against him, and we're not quite sure all that that did to David. Although David initially believed it in some sense because he gave away all his property, but Mephibosheth comes with like, you know, like he obviously hasn't taken a shower. He's, all his hair is unkempt and changed. Isn't he's he's a mess. Just keep that in mind visually. Not only, he's, all, he's also lame, and he's got a lot of issues, but we saw earlier how David showed grace to him. But Mephibosheth, he, he made a decision from the day that David left to the day that he got back not to take care of himself. Keep that in mind. Verse 25. And so it was when he had come to Jerusalem to meet the king that the king said to him, Why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? Great question to ask. That's the heart of the issue, isn't it? I, I, I don't, don't you hate when just people beat around the bush? Just get to the point. You, know, David, you didn't have to worry about that with David. He just got to the point. Why didn't you go with me? That's my biggest question for you, Mephibosheth. Why didn't you go with me? And he answered, My lord, O king, my servant deceived me. For your servant said, I will saddle a donkey for myself, that I may ride on it and go to the king, because your servant is lame. And he has slandered your servant to my lord, the king. But my lord, the king, is like an angel of God. Therefore, do what is good in your eyes. For all of my father's house were but dead men, before my lord the king. Yet you set your servant among those who eat at your own table. Therefore, what right have I to still cry out to you anymore, king? You've been so good to me. What, what right do I have to defend myself before you? The guy lied about me. He deceived me. I wanted to go on a donkey as hard as that would be. I, I told give me a donkey. I got to go with my king. And then his caretaker deceived him. His caretaker lied and slandered his name. But even then, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth is walking in grace. He goes, what right do I have? Do whatever you want to me. I'm sorry. I couldn't control any of it. But I just, let, I just want you to know my heart was with you. If it was up to me, I would have gone. Because I did have everything ready. So the king said to him, verse 29, why do you speak any more of these matters? I have said, you and Ziba divide the land. Then Mephibosheth said to the king, Rather, let him take it all, inasmuch as my lord the king has come back in peace to his own house. Now David did listen to the lies and the slander. He believed them to his great personal harm. As Ziba said that Mephibosheth turned on him. The truth is right here. He didn't. He wanted to go. His heart was with David all along. But in verse 24, there's a visual to this as well. And because he hadn't cared for his feet or trimmed or taken care of himself, he chose to remain ceremonially unclean until David came back. This was a spiritual decision in his mind. Like, even if—and and the thing about this is David is gone, right? He's gone. Mephibosheth is in—that's a hard name. Don't laugh at me because that's a hard name to say. Mephibosheth was in Jerusalem, and David was gone. Did David know he was ceremonial, ceremonial unclean? No. Would David ever see it? In his mind, he thinks David will never see it. And this is something that really spoke to my heart. And we don't, again, we don't have time to develop it, but it just ministered to me because I know it's true for all of us. There are just things that we have in our lives and decisions that we make that are just between us and the Lord because that's all this is. This is a decision between him and the Lord. I don't believe he ever expects David to see it. I don't ever, I think it's, the way it all looked outwardly, Absalom is it. It's over. And my, my, the guy that's supposed to take care of me lied about me and slandered me and deceived me. And, and David, he just has that. And, and if you're here today and you just have something between you and the Lord, God will honor that in your life. Because that's what's happening here. David did come back. God did honor this. And he's able to speak. And, and you say, well, wait a minute. Why did David... Split the land. Why didn't he say, well, they lied about it and deceived you. Why, why, get rid of Ziba and you can have your land back. I think we see it in his son Solomon. I think we see the wisdom of David also repeated in his son Solomon when those ladies came to him and had the big issue about the baby. And what did he say? Split the baby in two and then we'll settle it. And the real mom said, no way give her the baby and the one that wasn't the mom said oh split him, I'm fine with that and it was a test and I believe this was a test for Mephibosheth David really doesn't know who's telling the truth and he says I'm going to divide the land and his answer only validated that he was telling the truth he says I don't want the land I want our relationship David I don't need the land. I mean, it's a really sweet. This is a sweet time. It's really cool. And how did we get to this? By David's heart of forgiveness and reconciliation. It's a very sweet thing. It doesn't always end that way. But this one is. Verse 31 and Barzillai the Gileadite came down from Rohelem and went across the Jordan with the king to escort him across the Jordan and Barzillai was a very aged man 80 years old and he had provided the king with supplies while he stayed at Mahanaim and he was a very rich man and the king said to Barzillai come across with me and I'll provide for you while you're with me in Jerusalem just wants to repay his kindness but Barzillai said to the king how long have I to live that I should go up to the king, to Jerusalem. I today am 80 years old. Can I discern between the good and the bad? Can your servant taste what I eat or what I drink? (laughs) Can I hear any longer the voice of singing men and singing women? Why then should your servant be a further burden to my lord, the king? And your servant will go a little way across the Jordan with the king, and why should the king repay me with such a reward? Please, please. Verse 37, Let your servant turn back again, that I may die in my own city and be buried in the grave of my father and mother. But here is your servant, Chimham. Let him cross over with my lord, the king, and do for him what seems good to you. And the king answered, Chimham shall cross over with me, and I will do for him what seems good to you. Now whatever you request of me, I will do for you. Then all the people went over the Jordan, and the king had crossed over, and the king kissed Barzillai and blessed him, and he returned to his own place. So now David's showing kindness to someone that showed kindness to him. He, he has a magnanimous heart, and is an old guy. He doesn't want to go, but he gives him a surrogate and says, Well, come on, I'll bless him then. So sweet. Verse 40. Doesn't sound like a guy that just overturned a coup, does it? He's extending love and mercy and forgiveness, as I believe a picture of what God would have, even from the level of politics, from the level of oversight. He's reflecting the nature of God. And the king went on to Gilgal, it says in verse 40. And Chimham went went on with him, and all the people of Judah escorted the king and also half the people of Israel. Just then all the men of Israel came to the king and said to the king, Why have our brethren, the men of Judah, stolen you away and brought the king, his household, and all David's men with him across the Jordan? So all the men of Judah answered the men of Israel, because the king is a close relative of ours. Why then are you angry over this matter? Have we never eaten at the king's expense, or have we ever, has he ever given us any gift? And the men of Israel answered the men of Judah and said, we have 10 shares in the king, because there was bigger, 10 tribes of Israel, two tribes in Judah. We have 10 shares in the king. Therefore, we also have more right to David than you. Weren't these the guys that just turned on David? The ones that Absalom won their hearts over? Now they're fighting over him. We have more than that, and why then do you despise us? Were we not at first to advise bringing back our king at the words of the men of Judah? We're fiercer than the words of the men of Israel. And we'll move on to the rest of that in the next time we're together. But for us, let me just say there are things that we need to complete, so we'll be here just a few more minutes. You're finding that there, even though there's a little bit of dispute, everyone's rallying around David. David is able to negotiate peace and unity through compromise, the good kind of compromise, forgiveness, mercy, equity, kindness, and efforts to bring opposing sides together. And this section of scripture is a remarkable testimony of the power of forgiveness. The power of forgiveness in the heart, a connection to God. Jesus taught us to pray, give us our food for today. And forgive us of our sins just as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. Matthew chapter 6 verse 11. Peter came and asked the Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, Jesus said. Seventy times seven. Matthew chapter 18 verse 21. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, Jesus said. But she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. She has shown me much love, but a person who's forgiven little shows only a little love. And then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven you. Luke chapter 7, verse 46. I'm warning you, if another believer sins, rebuke him. Then if he repents, forgive him. Even if he wrongs you seven times in a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, forgive him, Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, verse 3. Look, David hadn't fully forgiven Absalom and it caused him a lot of grief. God was able to work it out, but not without death and destruction and difficulty. And perhaps the lack of his forgiveness encouraged. This time, his lack of forgiveness
0: for Absalom Encourage them this time to do it the right way. Well, perhaps you need to forgive someone who's wronged you. We pray you found today's study from Pastor Ed Taylor an encouragement to go in that direction sooner rather than later. And this is Abounding Grace, our Tuesday edition. We're airing a series based in Second Samuel, and I'd imagine this is just what many of you are needing to hear right about now. If you'd like to request today's study on CD for $2, please call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. You can also access the studies online at calvaryaurora.org. Another way to listen to Ed's teachings is through the Calvary Aurora app. Search for Calvary Aurora. And as you do, you might also download the Grace FM Colorado app for more biblical encouragement. Thanks for your generous gifts to support Abounding Grace. Your donation will serve to help us bring these daily studies to your station and many others like it every day. Call us at 877-30-GRACE or donate online at calvaryaurora.org. And when you support this ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, we'd like to send you The Holy Land Key by Ray Bentley. Pastor Ray has partnered with God's people in Israel and witnessed the fulfillment of prophecy firsthand. And you might say this book highlights the amazing work God is doing even right now to usher in the coming kingdom. Again, call 877-30-GRACE or turn to calvaryaurora.org on the web. Glad you've taken time out for our study. We'll bring you more from Pastor Ed Taylor's study of Second Samuel next time on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace.